You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. I got a busy day in front of me today. So I'm trying to get all this done today. i just give you guys a little update on a couple things got a lot of good feedback from monday's show you guys like that inside stuff man from practice and i tell you i enjoy bringing it to you too it has been so great that mike leach has been so open with us and that's one thing that we had heard from our washington state colleagues is that leach really enjoyed the media being there at practice and so we're, we're there and it's not like it was at times with Mullen and moorhead i mean we're there for the entire practice now when we get into the season it'll be a little more limited but, but Coach Leach has been incredibly accommodating to the media. And, and what, what's amazing to me about that is you think about some of these people in the media that appear to have this grudge against Mike Leach. And, you know, maybe they've never worked a beat, you know, where you've, you, know, you get to go to 15 minutes of practice and 10 of it is stretching and then five minutes of it is a water break. You know, there is a lot of transparency with this program. Nobody's coming up to us saying, hey, listen, uh, so-and-so is uh, in trouble, and we don't want you to report on that. That's not happening. There's, and Mike Leach isn't afraid of anything. It's pretty apparent. And so, yeah, we've been able to go to practice. I missed a little bit of today's practice. I actually had an accident yesterday, nothing serious, but uh, had an accident and kind of hurt my foot. And so I went out there and uh, gashed my foot, and then I got it cleaned up, and I bandaged it up, and I went to practice on Monday. And by the time I got home uh, Monday night, I was in a lot of pain. So got it all bandaged up. Thankfully, I married a nurse, and so she can kind of handle all that stuff. So she advised me to stay off of it as much as I could. But you know me, I'm a soldier, man. I can't, I can't just not go. So uh, I went out there to practice. I had a chance to talk to uh, coaches and players today. And we, we got a big group. Again, it goes back to this whole thing about transparency. We had six interviews today, two coaches, four players. Wasn't always like that. Not always like that. And there are a lot of schools out there that aren't given the access that Mississippi State's given. It's like I think about this stuff when I read uh, the comments over on Gene's page. You know, Paul Jones or I or, or Robbie or – 
or Mike will put an article up and people are just kind of remarking on it. And, and then I go read some other websites and uh, they don't have that stuff because their school is you know, kind of limiting access. They're doing things by Zoom call and it's just not even close to what we're getting. And so I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm grateful for it. Matter of fact, I told Mike Leach that Monday. I said, hey, Coach, thanks so much for letting us come out here and be a part of all this. And he goes, well, what was it like before? And I said, it was never this good. So thanks. I don't ever take those things for granted, man. I absolutely don't. And so we're going to talk a little bit more today about football practice. You guys liked it. Uh, I had several people message me and say, hey, Steve, what about this guy or that guy? And other people said, hey, man, really enjoyed the show. Very comprehensive review. We're going to do kind of part two of that, kind of answer some of your questions. You, some of you guys hit me up and asked about certain players, and you, you can't be the only people that have those questions. And so we're going to address that on the show. So rather than me, you kind of send you, you know, an individual answer. I'm just going to kind of address it for everybody because I can promise you there are a lot of people that love Mississippi State that have the same questions about the same players and the same issues that you do. Now, one of the first things I want to say is we're still awaiting the clearance of Jacoby Moore. That's the lone signee from the 2021 class that is yet to report. Now, I'm told, again, it's just a matter of time. Now, he's already missed, you know, a week of practice, but uh, he is expected to be here in time uh, for classes to begin. And listen, let's be, let's be fair to the kid. I mean, he's not going to have an opportunity to really get up to speed uh, this year. Probably, you know, redshirt could see him play you know, a couple games and then maintain that redshirt year. But, uh, again, very optimistic about his ability to get cleared. And I'm told he, he, it would have already been done. They had some type of hang-up with an online class or something. But, uh, but anyway, he's doing what he needs to do. And uh, it's been a very difficult for a year. You know, his mom died earlier this year. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a tough thing for anybody to deal with, no matter your age. But, yeah, we, we will have, we'll have hopefully have some news on that really, really soon as far as his clearance goes. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that needs to be here. I mean, he does. The good thing is, is that we have such depth at wide receiver. You know, it's not like he was expected to come in and play this year, at least not, you know, in, in a major role. But you want him to be here just to get acclimated, even if it is a redshirt year, because I think he's a very talented guy that's going to have a big college career. But, yeah, we'll get him in, and then that will be the entire class. And, you know, it's been a while since we've had a non-qualifier. You know, knock on wood, right, if you can find some around you. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that goes back, too, to your coaching staff and, and even with Joe Moorhead, you know, giving them the due diligence to go out there and make sure that they're signing qualifiers. And the way the rules work now with scholarships, I mean, you know, your non-qualifiers count in your annual 25 allotment. So whether they qualify or not, they still count. You only get 25 initial counters. And if you want to waste one on a guy that's not going to qualify, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. I can understand if it's, uh, you know, you know, some absolutely once-in-a-generation type player and you think, hey, we're going to sign him and send him to the junior college of our choice to kind of give us a, a running start towards getting him back. That makes a little sense. But by and large, those opportunities are few and far between. Uh, you know, we had some baseball talk earlier in the week, and uh, not a lot to report on in that on that respect. But uh, I am finishing up the book. Single-digit chapters remain. I was kind of doing the math today. I think we're seven chapters away from being done. And so, and what's interesting too, to go ahead and prepare you guys. So, heard from the publisher today. It's probably going to be an early November release date. That seems like a long time away. Well, it is. And a lot of it's because uh, there are a lot of people that don't have the same work ethic as you or I do. And that's not to 
anybody in production with the book other than it's a printer. They're having difficulty getting people to come to work. You know, supplies are limited, all that kind of stuff. That's the thing, too, and I'm not going to get all political with you, but, you know, the American spirit has been fueled by our willingness to get out and go work, and it is incredible to me that there's so many things in society today that are kind of coming to a grinding halt because most people don't want to get out and go work. But uh, there you go. So we were hoping for a late October release because it takes about four to six weeks to get these books printed. And so, you know, now they're telling us it's probably going to be, you know, November. So we'll still have it out before the holidays. You'll still be able to buy it for Christmas presents. I just want to kind of let you guys know. And again, because of the fact that there is these delays, like a second printing, the chances of us getting a second printing between now and Christmas are not good. So in order to guarantee you get a book, once we put that, you know, that pre-order link out there, you need to jump on that. Because here's what's going to happen. I've gone out and done a few book signings this summer, and you know, people are telling me, hey, Steve, people want to know when's the new book coming out. So I, once those books hit the bookstores, I have no longer any control over them. And so it's important to understand, if you want to be sure you get a book, you need to pre-order one. And yeah, you may have to wait a couple months to get it, but you'll have it in time for the holidays. So again, they're going to order all the pre-orders. Like, so let's say for an example, you know, sometimes we sell two or 3,000 copies as a pre-order. Well, they're going to order those plus the allotment for the bookstores, and there'll be a little replenishing there as well. But, you know, the chances of us have a second printing between now and Christmas are just not good. And I'm a little worried about running out of books. I've already explained it to my agent. You know, so they'll order pretty heavy. But there is no guarantee that you're going to get a copy of Dogpile if you wait and you know try, oh, I'll just get it right before Christmas at my local bookstore. There's no guarantee it's going to, going to happen to you. I'm just being honest with you, kind of preparing you. So when the pre-order link comes out, go ahead and jump on that. Be one less thing you got to worry about. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. i tell you, before we change topics here, I miss Omaha you know, like an old summer romance, man. I'm not going to lie. I, I, get, I catch myself sometimes, you know, I'll be – kind of hung up here watching YouTube or whatever, you know, taking a little bit of a break and returning some emails. And I find myself gravitating back to those YouTube videos of the College World Series. Went up there to the bedroom at night and watched uh, the DVR version of uh, Game 3. Again, that's probably the 20th time I've watched it. It's almost like going through an ex-girlfriend's Instagram. You know, it's like, I, I miss you. Uh, you know, I just, I just want to see you again. You know, and, and I go look at Omaha and I think, man, I, I wish we were in Omaha now. It was so much fun. It was such a rewarding experience. So many great memories from all, every bit of that. And as I go back and write these chapters, and I, I finished up the Notre Dame Super Regional chapter today, you know, we'll start the uh, bracket play of Omaha chapter next. But, you know, I go back and I think about all these, these moments and memories we all made together and how special they all are. And it's a real privilege to be able to kind of recapture those and relive those for you know for you guys. And of course, there'll be some new material that uh, you guys aren't privy to at this point. You know, some really great behind-the-scenes type interviews. It'll be be wonderful. But you know, it's just sometimes I pinch myself, and I go, go you know I get up and I go go to my you know chest of drawers and I dig through there, and make sure my national championship shirts are still there to make sure it all wasn't a dream. It's remarkable that we live long enough to see this. I mean, it really is. I mean, you think all those years, it was always, well, maybe next year. Well, maybe next year. And even this year, you know, we get swept by Arkansas, and there was a lot of us. That's kind of how we felt. It's like, you know what? We're not even the best team in the SEC West. You know, so how are we going to go win the SEC? How are we going to go win at Omaha? We're not even the best team in our own division. 
And some of our own fans suggested that Ole Miss is better than us, even though we've dominated that rivalry, you know, basically since its inception with the exception of, uh, you know, a few years in the early 2000s, and we, we kind of were spinning our wheels a little bit. You know, a lot of people out there will tell you, you know, oh, you know, Mississippi State's this, Mississippi State's that. Hey, Mississippi State's the national champions. All right, you put some respect out there when you talk about us. And so I get excited about it all over again. And I hope that you guys do as well. And, and I love walking around town. You know, we have all these visitors coming in, obviously, you know, new kids moving to campus and the families are here. And everybody you see is decked out in national championship gear. It's because it matters. And that's a conversation Chris Monas and I have had recently. Even when we were out in Omaha, he goes, I'm just so glad that I'm in a place where it matters to so many people. And, and this is a guy, obviously, you know, that, you know, played at the Citadel probably before four or 500 fans on a big weekend. You know, a guy that you know, coached at, at Louisville where they didn't even charge admission to go to the games. Then he goes to Indiana, which, you know, baseball is probably the – third or fourth most important sport on campus. Now he's here in his, in his birthplace, the Starkville, Mississippi, winning an AFL championship. This is a destination job in college baseball. And Chris Simonis is here. Chris and I are about the same age. I kind of laugh sometimes and think, you know what, I may, I may never have to get to know another head baseball coach. And, of course, everything is so volatile in this profession. I mean, you never know. I mean, not that I would ever expect Chris to be involved in anything unscrupulous. But, you know, you have a couple lean years, and all of a sudden people want you. And obviously that's not going to happen right away because, you know, Chris has built up some currency winning an AFL championship. But I also believe, too, this isn't Chris riding the wave of the recruiting efforts before him. You know, Chris is doing a great job recruiting now. You know, so this is, again, this is a sustainable run with a coach that understands the game and understands our culture. So looking forward to another college baseball season, to say the least like to thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company for their support of the show. They've been with me a long time and do such a great job. If you're looking for a great meal, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Matter of fact, heard from my friend Jeff. Jeff Murrah hit me up and said, hey, Steve, we went to the one in Ridgeland. It was outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. There's a lot of consistency with Bulldog Burger Company. That's one of the things I love about it. It's basically the same meal every time I go. You know, some places you go, they just have an off night, depending on who's cooking. That's just not the case, the Bulldog Burger Company. Very consistent with what they do. From restaurant to restaurant, it's the same. It's one of the things that people say, well, you know, Steve, I like to go to the national restaurants because there's some consistency. I've been an eat local guy, I guess, for 30 years now. I try, you know, I try not to go to the, uh, the, the franchises. I try to go to local places, you know, people that are invested in the community. That's exactly what you're going to get with Bulldog Burger Company. These people aren't some fly-by-night company. They make good decisions. They provide a good product at a good price, great atmosphere. It's a great place to work, great place to eat. Three locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, there on Lake Harbor Drive in Ridgeland. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so since we were together last, there have been two Mississippi State football practices. The defense had the better of things on Monday. It was pretty apparent. I mean, there was a stretch there. I think the offense only scored a couple touchdowns and team drills, and it, it took some doing. Defense really, really, really played well on Monday. On Tuesday, it was a completely different deal. I thought the I wouldn't say the offense dominated, but the offense clearly had the upper hand 
uh, throughout the team drills. And one of the things they do at practice is they score each play. So, like, if somebody makes a big play, either way, their unit gets a point. And so you walk out there sometimes and then say, okay, offense leads 14-12. and 12. And then they get down to the last play of the, of the period, and basically, you know, the, the loser of the play has to do up-downs. Whether you're on the field or not, let's say your offense, you could be a walk-on offensive lineman that hadn't even, you know, broken a sweat other than just kind of standing out there in the Mississippi heat. You still got to do up-downs. It is a team exercise, a team punishment. But, man, things move out there in practice. They do. There's not a lot of standing around. You know, you know when you're a kid, you know, you, you go line up in, you know, middle school football practice or whatever, and, you know, you got, you know, a dozen receivers out there. So you go run your route, and you kind of sit out there and get stiff waiting for your next one. That's just not how it is at Mississippi State. One of the things they do to ensure they get reps for everybody is the you know really the first part of practice. Once everybody gets loose and they go through their positional drills and everybody's good to go, they have basically you know, two stations for pass skeleton. And so they split it up and they alternate reps. And so the younger guys are out there, the older guys are out there. You, you separate by unit, you know, and you're working you know out there. It's it's a it's a lot of running to say the least. Your receivers during those dual pass scale drills they never really stop you know you run down there you run your route then you run back you get in line somebody's there to give you some hydration and the next thing you know you're going again and so it's not a situation where people are just kind of standing around and waiting for something to happen it's very impressive there's you can tell this is a system that's been refined over time one of the things i wanted to kind of talk about too offensively is um you know i asked mike leach directly about the quarterback competition. You may have seen his answer out there uh, on social media. But I asked him, because I was hey, just give you an opportunity to kind of characterize what the quarterback competition looks like. Now, Jack Abraham has not fully participated in practice since we started. He gave it a go on day one, and I understand he's still having some headache issues, and, and uh, we wish Jack the absolute best. But based on where we are right now and the fact that we're going to play a you know, football game here in a little over three weeks, Jack's not a factor in this quarterback competition. Now, he may be later, but he's not right now because Jack's unable to practice. And I want to clear this thing up, too, and I mentioned this on Gene's page, and I might have, might have mentioned it here before, too. Uh, look, Jack Abraham is not in any doghouse at all. It was just kind of a freak accident that happened earlier in the summer, and he's still kind of you know, working through the lingering impact of all of that, but uh, Jack's fine. I mean, Jack is a model student athlete. I've never heard any, heard anybody say anything negative about him, even when he was a quarterback, you know, coming out of Oxford. Nobody ever said anything negative about Jack Abraham. The people at Southern Miss still rave about what a good guy he is. So there's there's nothing in that respect to worry about because the first thing that pe- people pop up with, oh, if he's not out there, something must be wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. He had an injury, and he's working back from an injury. You know, it's not a situation where he's done anything inappropriate. But if you listen, if you're at practice and you guys aren't, I mean, you're dependent on me to kind of you know, bring you up to speed here. It's Will Rogers' job, and it's Will Rogers' job to lose. Will looks to be very decisive with the football, has a full command of the offense, it appears, has the respect of the rest of the team. The guy's a gamer. As Dylan Johnson said, he's just a dog. He said, that's as best as I can say it. Will Rogers is just a dog. 
And that's what you got to have. You got to have some toughness. And that's a difficult attribute sometimes to fully evaluate is how tough a guy is mentally. But, well, Rodgers is a guy. And it's like Mike Leach has said, too, you know, coaches' kids are generally very, 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 very committed to film study, as is Will. And so he's breaking down his film, breaking down his offenses, uh, you know, highlights, lowlights, trying to get better as a team. Now, Lovertich, the transfer from South Alabama, also understand, too, that he is a grandson of a former uh, Bulldog basketball player. I believe that's correct. But Lovertich has really acquitted himself pretty well. Now, he's not as big as Will Rogers, and I wonder sometimes how he'll, how he'll manage, uh, you know, playing behind that big offensive line. But, you know, right now he's number two. You know, with Abraham not able to participate, I think Lovertich has really taken a step forward. I don't think he's going to catch Will Rogers, though. Now, Mike Leach hadn't come out and named Will Rogers as his starter, but I think it's actually pretty evident you know, to anybody that is at practice that Will is just simply a step or two ahead of the rest of the quarterbacks. Now, Sai Robertson, Daniel Greek not getting a lot of reps when we go to team drills. They're getting a bunch early on in the pass scale. They're getting a chance to get out there and throw, uh, get a chance to get some feedback from the coaching staff. So it's not like they're all just kind of standing around watching the varsity practice. They're able to get some reps too. And then they're all going through positional drills. So it's not like, you know, we've brought these newcomers in and we're just kind of, you know, making them uh, wait their turn. They're, they're getting a chance to practice too. But, you know, we're getting ready to play a football game here pretty soon. So, you know, the reps in team drills are going to the guys we expect to play. And we're going to play a lot of people on defense. You might as well get ready for that. We're going to play a ton of receivers. We're going to play a ton of people on defense. One of the newcomers that has drawn kind of rave reviews here recently and a guy that we expect to play this year is running back Katravian Hargrove. They call him Bull. That was his nickname when he came in. Uh, Dylan Johnson tells us he is the fastest running back on the team. Without question. Coach Eric Mealy tells us that he ran a 10-500 during the track season and has run multiple sub 4440s during their testing drills at Mississippi State. We don't have that other element from another player. We just don't have that. I mean, you look at Hargrove and you think, man, that's a pretty big guy, you know, probably kind of a between-the-tackles runner. And then you see him out there catching the ball very naturally and tucking it away and getting upfield. It's pretty impressive. It's another weapon that Mississippi State can use. And he is getting a lot of reps during team drills. Not as much as Dequavius Marks or Dylan Johnson, but unlike a lot of his you know, fellow freshmen, you know, he's not having to kind of stand there and watch team drills. He's able to participate. And Simeon Price has had some reps too, but not on the same level of Hargrove. But that was a guy too, you remember, a lot of people kind of you know, raised their nose at that and said, oh, you know, well, if he's still available, it's late. You know, maybe he's not so good. He had all these offers in Florida State and Penn State and everybody. Well, Mississippi State took a shot at him. Eric Mealy, you know, basically decided, you know, listen, we've got a best available spot left on offense. We've got a chance to get a four-star running back. Yeah, he was a little bit dinged up, you know, beginning of his senior year. Didn't have that same level of burst he did as a junior, and that caused some other schools to pause. Well, you know, we already had a couple freshman running backs, so we didn't have to have a running back. So it's kind of a luxury for us. If, if we get him and he can't play, well, you know, then 
you figure it out. But it's not a guy that you were expecting to play. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not like you went into that class thinking, okay, we have to take a running back this year that can come out and play for us next year. That wasn't the case. And, of course, you had Simeon Price lined up, so you felt like you already had your running back spot filled. So Hargrove, in many respects, is kind of a luxury pick for us. And now you get him here, and he is the talk of the running back room. That's a win for Mississippi State. That's a win for Eric Mealy. You want to know why Mississippi State's only taking one running back in this class? That's why. It's because you went out and got Simeon Price, who, according to Eric Mealy, showed up 215 pounds. So he showed up looking like a running back. And this is a guy, too, that played a lot at wide receiver. So, you know, the catching uh, component to his game is already there. You know, that, that's a skill set that he has already kind of, uh, kind of refined a little bit. That's a skill that um, – that he kind of brings with him. That's one thing, too, Mike Leach had told me. You know, one of the surprises when he first got here is that a lot of these guys didn't know how to catch. And so you go out, and now you're recruiting guys that demonstrate that in high school. And, and that's kind of what Simeon Price is. And even, you know, Bull Hargrove out of uh, Ruston, you know, he was the guy, they were able to swing it out there to him, too. The guy has really good hands. And, and typically, outside of your quarterbacks, you know, your running backs are your best athletes on the high school level. By design. I mean, you put your most explosive guys there in the backfield because they're going to touch it the most. And nobody touches the ball more from a skill point of, point of view than the quarterback does. But, you know, your best athletes a lot of times are running backs. And so you go out and get a couple of guys like Simeon Price and Katravian Hargrove, and all of a sudden you you begin to upgrade your talent level in the running back room. You know what you've got in Jaquavius Marks, and they tell me he's gained 15 pounds of muscle. Both Dylan Johnson and Eric Millie both said he's a lot more powerfully. I always ran with a little power, but you, you guys noticed from experience you know, last year, there are a lot of times Marks would have one guy to beat and he couldn't do it or he couldn't power through an arm tackle. Maybe he says that's happening now. You know, he, now he's doing a much better job because he's really committed himself. He joked around and said he called it his Iron Man suit. Dylan Johnson's actually trimmed up a little bit. So you got Marks bulking up and Johnson trimming up. And Marks is a little more powerful as a result. And then Dylan Johnson is a little more elusive as a result. So you've got a group that's very dynamic and very committed to working to get better. It's exciting. I mean, it really is. I don't want to overhype these guys. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm just going to tell you what I see. And I'll be honest with you. I still think we're probably an 8-4 and four football team. Over and under is probably 7-5. and five. But I have been encouraged by what I've seen in practice so far. Now, I'm not going to go out there and, and change my projected win total, but I do think we are ahead offensively of where I expected us to be. Wide receivers have been uh, good. I think. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. 
I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Everybody at some point has shown some flashes. Makai Polk has probably been the guy that catches your attention the most because he does make a lot of very dynamic and acrobatic catches. But there are some times, too, that he kind of disappears. You know, and granted, we've had, you know, what, four or five days of camp in a row? You know, so at some point you need a day off to kind of freshen legs a little bit. But, you know, he, he does a great job of making the contested catch. He is a guy in the red zone that just simply finds a way to get open. He has great releases. He's able to get open right off the line more times than not. I don't know how you could play off coverage with him. I think you need to get inside and put your hands on him and kind of get him off his routes. If not, he's going to make you look silly. And I think at this point he is probably the best receiver Mississippi State has outside of Jaden Wally. And that, and that's, that, that's being as complimentary to Polk as I can be because we all know what Jaden Wally can do. Austin Williams, not as explosive as those guys, but uh, very knowledgeable and obviously very dependable. But when I look at that front four, you know, I think, you know, you got Malik Heath out there. We all know what Malik can be. It's just a matter of will he reach the, his potential this year. If he does, it's going to be a great year for Mississippi State. But I think Makai Polk right now, if we're playing, if, if we're out there picking teams, that's the first guy I'm picking among the wide receivers. I'm going to pick that guy that can go outside the numbers and make that acrobatic catch because he can really elevate. He's got a great catch radius, very good after the catch. I like him. I don't know if we have anybody else like him. And I've shared that with you guys before. I, I just don't know that if we have another receiver with the same set of skills that Polk has. Jameer Calvin has done some nice things. Of course, that's a Washington State transfer. A little bit smaller guy. The thing that impresses me about him, though, is this the effort that he plays with. 
you can tell this is a guy that is familiar with the scheme. He's not having to go out there and second-guess himself. He knows what he's supposed to do. Even though he's moved from outside to inside, he's playing, playing H for us. He's, so he's in a slot. He's an inside receiver for us. He was an outside receiver at Washington State, but you know, he's very adept, excuse me, very you know, acquitted to go run this thing. He, under, he understands it. But, again, you know, when you go out there and you look at the effort that he practices with, you know, it's kind of a contagious type deal. You know, the younger guys see that, and they begin to think, oh, hey, this guy's going to take my spot if I'm not careful. And I think Jameer Calvin probably feels like he's got something to prove here. But I've been very impressed with him. And so I like the additions at wide receiver. I like what we're seeing kind of of the returnees as well. Yeah, I think that group has gotten better. I think we've recruited ourselves into a much better situation with the wide receivers in the two years that Mike Leach has been here. Sometimes we forget that he had a hand in that first class too. Even though Joe got the majority of it signed in December and Leach is very complimentary of the job those guys did to get that class in the boat. Well, we, you know, we kind of added some guys late, including some wide receivers. And, uh, you know, we got some guys, Antonio Harmon, I haven't seen him out there. I understand that, uh, you know, he's got you know medical issue that uh, they're working to correct. Not expecting him to play much this year anyway. He's a guy that'll get up to speed. But, uh, again, you see that guy walking around, around Starkville, and you know he's a football player. You absolutely do. But uh, I do like the group, I think, offensive line-wise that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag some days. You know, it's like you don't want the offensive line to win every snap, but you don't want them to lose every snap either. And I thought, I thought on Monday, defense won up front, and I thought on Tuesday, offense won up front. Now, here are my concerns about the line, okay, because I'm, I'm not a Pollyanna, contrary to popular belief. I feel good about Charles Cross. I know some other people are – all you can get, the only image in your mind is Sam Williams bull rushing him, and, uh, you know, you forget the fact that Sam made two tackles, you know, the whole ball game. Um, but, yeah, Charles Cross had to get bigger and stronger. We all knew that. And that, that, that play was, it was evidence of that, you know, that Cross needed to get bigger and stronger. And he's done that. Now, there are a lot of people out there that have a first-round grade on Charles Cross. Now, to date – he hadn't played like a first-rounder. He hadn't. And, again, a lot of that goes back to, you know, being a little bit light in the britches a little bit when he got here. You know, he had to find a new playing weight in order to compete in the SEC. Footwork is great, real good use of his hands. He has, you know, the athletic potential to play football for a long time. But there are some people that expect him to be a first-rounder. A lot of people out there have very positive grades about him. But, you know, he has got to take the next step. There's no doubt about it. You know, then you've got Cam Jones sliding over there to play left guard, and, and I love to move. I think Cam Jones is a very, very physical player. I think the guy's very grateful to have an opportunity to play at Mississippi State. Now you've got LaQuinston Sharp at center. Now, you may not know this because you haven't been around him much. LaQuinston Sharp is a mean dude on the football field. He absolutely destroyed Sherman Timms today. And then and that's no slide on Sherman. That's just part of football. Everybody gets got at some point. But, you know, Q saw a chance to kind of deliver a blow, and he did. And it was legal. But is he going to be able to handle the snaps? I mean, there are some times that, I, you know, I watch and 
And I just kind of wonder a little bit, is he going to be quick enough to get the snaps back and get his hands up? You know, we'll see. You know, Cole Smith's been running uh, second team at guard and some at center. You know, he did a little bit of that both last year for us. You know, so you've got some options there with him. Dollar Bills run some at right guard. And then you've got Scott Lashley out there at right tackle. Now, the right side concerns me a little bit. You know, Dollar Bill played some early last year and just kind of hit the wall physically and just was exhausted. You know, just just simply couldn't go. And so now you slide him in to play right guard, and as I told you guys before, I feel like that's where his future is. But, you know, he's got to develop some stamina. He's got to be able to hang in there and play, you know, you know, 65, 70 reps in pass pro. You know, and, and listen, Scott Lashley is a guy that I've been a fan of, you know, since he was a sophomore. Matter of fact, the first person that ever interviewed Scott Lashley was me. Drove all the way up here from the West Point and, and saw how big he was and was very impressed because, you know, I think at some point in my career, I think I saw every 5'10 center in the state of Mississippi. But I get to West Point and I see, hey, this guy's a big-time guy. Watched him mature. Then watched him go sign and go play at Alabama. Now, listen, there are a lot of really good football players that aren't going to play at Alabama. But Scott Lassley didn't play much at all over there. And so, you know, is he doing a good job at right tackle? Yeah, he's doing okay. He is. But the guy doesn't have a lot of college reps under his belt. And so those are the kind of things that kind of concern me a little bit. Carson Williams ran second team at right tackle today. That's, of course, that's the uh, – you know, junior college signee from Mississippi Gulf Community College. You know, and so he he's kind of emerging and kind of making some plays. And, you know, we've got, you know, Albert Reese and they're playing some at uh, right guard with a second team. So you've got some big bodies out there that are kind of learning and building some depth behind them. You know, but, you know, it would be easy for me to say, you know what, and I, I don't want to throw a wet, wet blanket on everybody's enthusiasm, but, you know, Charles Cross is the only player on the offensive line that is going to start at the position he did last year. That's something to really think about. You know, how long does it take to build some chemistry and some cohesion within that group? So, yeah, you've got some guys have got a lot of snaps. Cam Jones, of course, yeah, started some games last year at right tackle. LaQuinson Sharp has started some, you know, at guard for the last couple of years going all the way back to 18 with Tommy Stevens in a New Orleans Superdome or whatever they're calling it these days. He's got a lot of snaps, but not a lot of snapping. You know, then you got Quatravius Johnson, Dollar Bill. You know, he's a guy, too, that was a four-star, you know, offensive lineman out of Greenwood. We've had very high hopes for him. And, um, you know, he hadn't played a whole lot. He's played some, but hadn't played a whole lot. And so – I'm not trying to raise concern here. I'm just trying to shoot you straight. You know, if if there is a group that I think probably has the most to prove, it's that one. But I do like the fact that we've got more options to work with this year. I mean, you go out and you get Nick Jones. You get Carson Williams. You bring in Albert Reese, a guy that's a lot more game ready than the average freshman, you know, from a physicality standpoint. And so – and then the fact that Cole Smith's running on, on the second team, to me, says a lot about our depth. I don't think in any way that's an indictment on Cole Smith. I mean, Cole Smith played some really good football for us last year. So I think we have some depth. It's just a matter of, you know, making sure that we've got the right five on the field at all times. And so we'll see how things progress. But, you know, I could see that being a unit that needs a couple weeks to kind of run out and work out the kinks. 
And you and I both know, I mean, you know, hey, if you can't block, you can't throw. You can't run. You can't catch. It all starts up front. And so we've got to do a good job up there. But by and large, I do think offensively we have taken a big step forward. And again, Tuesday's practice, the offense as a whole was much better. Much better. And that's the thing, too, I guess if you're a coach, you don't ever want one unit to dominate all the time. And that's what good practice sessions bring you. One day the defense dominates, the next day the offense does. And I don't know that I would say either dominated, but clearly the defense had the better day Monday and the offense had the better day on Tuesday. So we'll see what we come up with on Wednesday. I'm eager to get back out there. I'm not not in love with that heat, I'll be honest with you. I guess I'm getting old. It, It saps my energy a whole lot quicker than it used to. And I can't even begin to imagine being out there you know, going full full out with uh, a helmet and shoulder pads on. Uh, and our people do a great job hydrating these guys. But, uh, listen, high school and college football players around the country, please hydrate. Oh, my goodness, please do. It's very dangerous heat sometimes. All right, today's top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. And I've got some more – we've got some interesting information about Blair, too. And again, that's close of Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Close of Blair.com. Guys, Blair is not just number one with Fairway Mortgage. He's not just in the top 1%. He's in the top 1% nationally, like in the industry. You want to do business with winners. You want to be with somebody that knows how to win and how to get your loan approved and get you into a home and get you off this whole hamster wheel of renting. Blair's your guy. He's also given some incentive just to Boneyard listeners because, you know, I, I, he's a Mississippi State guy. I've you know, told him, you know, I like doing business with, with Bulldogs, and, and he likes doing business with you guys too. And so here's what he's going to do. When you call him or you email him, if you mention, hey, I heard your ad on a Boneyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal fee on your any purchase or refi. How about that? So you've been thinking about, you know, hey, I'd love to be able to refi, but I can't afford the appraisal. I can't afford to come out of pocket with that. Don't worry about it. Just call Blair and say, hey, Blair, heard you're out in the barnyard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. And if you're a new home buyer, you have no idea what that means. Let Blair take care of it. He can explain it and pay for it all at the same time. Some other information, too, that Blair wanted me to share with you guys. Forecast over the next year are that home appreciations are going to be upwards around 6%. That's roughly 18000 on a $300,000 home. On the other side of the coin, rent is set to increase 10%. So if you pay $1,500 a month rent, that's going to be an extra $1,800 annually. So rather than you you know, building that into some equity into a home, you're basically making somebody else rich. So get off the hamster wheel of renting and buy yourself a home. Buy yourself a forever home. Or maybe you're just looking to buy, you know what, hey, we've always loved that home, but it's going to require a little love and some fixer-up. Reach out to Blair. He can help you with that, too. All loans handled by Blair himself. He doesn't farm it out. He doesn't doesn't just use his name. He's the guy. So you've got a man on the inside of one of the most important industries in American business, Blair Chandler. Give him a call today, 601-500-2344. And again, Top 1% nationally. Top 1%, guys. It's a guy that gets things done. 
Closeblair.com. Okay, so Roy, it was Roy's pick today, and uh, I just wasn't feeling it. And um, we'll probably work our way back to that. Uh, I've had several requests over the year or so for this band we're going to do today. But before I get to that, uh, just so you guys know, Poison, my least favorite popular band from the 80s, now the number one most listened to playlist in Boneyard history. It's crazy. You guys are insane, man, I tell you. I love you guys to death. Roy texted me this morning and said, hey, Poison's already up to number three and climbing. By lunch today, we had over 23,000 impressions on that list. So apparently I'm the guy that missed the memorandum about Poison. So thank you guys for supporting the show. And I, listen, I can respect your love of Poison. They got a lot of great songs. They do. I still think C.C. DeVille is a, is a bit of a poser. But uh, be that as it may, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the list. And I have so many people that have walked up to me and said, you know, Steve, like I had a guy today at practice. You know, Steve, I'm uh, really not a big music guy, but I've learned a lot about music by listening to the show. So I'm glad we're able to, uh, to provide a bit of a service there. So today's top ten list is the Foo Fighters. I love the Foo Fighters, and that may sound kind of interesting to you guys because I despise Nirvana. The best thing to come out of the Foo Fighters was Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl is an absolute musical genius. There are a lot of people in the music industry that are simply kind of performers for hire. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people that are great singers, and they can't write their own songs. They can't write their own music, and that's not in any way to diminish their talent. But a guy like Dave Grohl, Dave can do everything. You may not know this. Dave's very first album... He recorded the demos himself, played all the instruments, played the bass, did the vocals, played the drums, played the guitar, did it all. As a matter of fact, when he was with Nirvana, he used to write songs when they were on the road. He'd bring a guitar with him on the road and kind of write his own material. So, you know, when things happened with Nirvana, sadly, you know, with Kurt Cobain taking his own life, you know, the, Dave kind of had a running start into a new career. And there were a lot of people that wanted Dave to come play drums for them. And he just thought, you know what, I think I want to get out from behind the kit and do something a little bit more. So today's top ten list of Foo Fighters is coming at you now. The honorable mentions, and I know a couple of you people will think you know, these probably should be in a top ten. And I, there's a couple of them I could see. Uh, the one, I guess there's really five honorable mentions. So some of the more recent stuff, Rope, Walk, and Run. These other two, I nearly put them in the top ten. This is a call, and I'll stick around. I'll stick around. It's, it's a classic song. And uh, the fact that that one just missed the list, that's probably number 11, should say what I think about these songs. Okay, so top ten. Number ten, Monkey Wrench. And I think this song is a little bit silly and sophomoric, but that's kind of Dave, too. You know, it's like... Dave has these real serious songs, but there's always that side of him, too, that uh, there is an element of silliness in the things that he does. Monkey Wrench is one of them. Number nine, a song that is really, really good, and I think one of the more underappreciated songs in the catalog, it's Stacked Actors. I love the uh, the vocal on this one. It's like the part when he says, uh, when they all die blind. You know, it's just uh, you know, Stacked Dead Actors, Stacked to the Rafters. I absolutely love the song. I love the bass line to it, too. It, it sounds like something sonically from a different era. Number eight, this is one of the, the first big songs, and they had this great video 
uh, for Big Me. And that was when the Mentos commercials were so popular. Like if you had a Mentos, it just everything explained itself away. So they had the Futos commercial. If you don't know it, you go check it out. But it's uh, this is a song too that he actually wrote when he was with Nirvana. Not for Nirvana, but it was just he was with them when he wrote it. Number seven, and I think this has been like in every mo- mo- major motion picture involving teenagers for the last 20 years, but it's My Hero. There goes My Hero. I, I love the song. It's um, The way this song is put together, too, it's not like a typical, you know, just straightforward rock song. There's just a lot of elements to this that I think are are different, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say this. I really think when Taylor Hawkins joined the band at with Foo Fighters, and that was still very early on. I think Taylor brought a different edge. I thought I think that he is such, you know, a complimentary musician to Dave. I think, number one, it frees Dave up not to have to worry so much about percussion. But I think they're just kind of like brothers in arms. I think Taylor Hawkins makes Dave Grohl better, and he is a phenomenal drummer, absolutely phenomenal. I've seen him live seen the Foo Fighters live, and uh, it was on the Broken Leg Tour in Memphis. Some of you may have been there. Took my oldest daughter, Audrey, to go see it, and she walked away, and she says, I want to start going to more shows with you. And we we, we hadn't done that, but we need to. But uh, loved going to see the Foo Fighters, but I was blown away by Taylor Hawkins. And, again, I think that was probably the missing ingredient, not that there weren't some great tunes early on. I think Taylor Hawkins just brought a harder edge to the Foo Fighters. All right, number six, learn to fly. Again, that's kind of you know one of those catchy kind of radio friendly songs. I also like the lyrics a lot. It's very inspirational. Number five, and there were times in my life this has probably been my favorite Foo Fighters song. Not for very long. I love the song though, and uh, I noticed too there are a lot of political candidates that use it. And and if you know if you if you followed the Foo Fighters at all, you know that Dave Grohl is really kind of apolitical. And then all of a sudden, all these other people use his songs. And, you know, he, he's actually supported some other political candidates, not because he necessarily supported their value system, but because he did, he, he, did, he wanted to appeal to both sides. It's like if one candidate's using it, then I'm going to play it for the others. But, uh, but it's times like these. And uh, Shinedown actually has a nice version of this live on the um, Somewhere in the Stratosphere live album, which is pretty cool too. But times like these... It's one of those, if I'm not mistaken, it was one of those songs that was kind of written post 9-11. You know, I think that was, I think I'm pretty, I think I'm correct about that. That Dave was kind of inspired to write that after 9-11. Number four, and again, the guitar riff on this, this is one of those great driving songs. And you remember back in 2014 when uh, they used to have the hype videos and back when they would allow people to use music without suspending their Twitter account. The Mississippi State, the Hell State Highlight, used the song All My Life for the uh, video clips for Kentucky. After we went up there and beat Kentucky, you know that whole part about done, done, on to the next one. That's all from All My Life. I absolutely love that song. It is an absolute banger. And so when you're on the road and you're driving, you better have the crew set because this is one of those that will get your heart racing. Number three... I, th- I don't think this song gets enough notoriety. I mean, honestly, I think there are a lot of people that know the Foos that maybe don't know this song as well as they should, but it's The Pretender. And the video is great, but, man, 
Dave's vocals on this are just next level. You know, Dave is not a guy that's got this five octave voice where he's going to be able to, you know, hit all this operatic stuff. That's not, he's a rock and roll singer and he is an authentic voice. And there's so many people out there that are using auto tune and all these computers and things like that. And Dave, of course, goes and records an album completely on analog where they play everything live just because he is talented enough to pull it off. But The Pretender is one of those that I think is a real highlight in the Dave Grohl catalog. I don't think there's any question about it. Number two, Everlong. There was a while there, you know, it's like I wasn't exactly sure what direction this song was going to take, and it's one of my favorite ones. I have a it would be number two. But, you know, the guitar on it is good. The percussion on it is good. And I think Dave was just really starting to find his voice then. You know, he's a lot more, uh, shall we say, demonstrative now as a vocalist. But this is when I think that... Um, yeah, the Foos were just kind of really beginning to experiment with their, their sound. And I think there's a lot of authenticity in the song. But number one for me, and it's not just number one on this list. This is probably my favorite song of the modern era. And not just, um, you know, the 2020s or 2010s. I, I would say this is probably my favorite song this century. Probably, you know, since the late late 90s, maybe even the mid-90s. I mean, of course, it's some Soundgarden stuff. It was very instrumental to me. But this song kind of came out when I was going through some very difficult things in life. And it kind of became this anthem for me, and it's best of you. And I always felt like that he was singing to me. I really did. There, there are some songs you, you, you listen to, and I get chills right now just talking about it, where it just registers with your spirit. It's not just in your heart, your ears, but in your very spirit. And this is one of those songs for me. I absolutely love it. And I think it's a very vulnerable song. Uh, I think Dave Grohl just absolutely nails everything about it. The music is great. The vocals are great. But the best part of this song is the message. Were you, were you, were you born to resist or to be abused? It's crazy. Go check it out today. I love the list, man. I love the foos. And what's funny, too, Dave Grohl said one time that Foo Fighters is the dumbest band name in the history of the world because... He just tried to put out a demo out there and, and kind of be nondescript with it just because he didn't want people to know that he was involved with it. He, just, he, just, he didn't want to ride the wave of Nirvana fame. He wanted the music to stand on its own, which I thought says a lot about him. He is the genuine article, and there's so many fakes in the music industry. Uh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the, the thing they're working on right now that just recently got released is the DGs. That's right, D-E-E-G-E-S, a take on the Bee Gees. And they have covered some of the great Bee Gees songs. And, guys, it is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. And, again, that's that silly sophomore excited day. Go check it out. Their version of Tragedy is absolutely next level. It is absolutely next level. So that's top ten list. If you have an idea for the top ten list, reach out let me know. I'm happy to do it. You can find me on all forms of social media at ScoutSteveR. If you're not following me on Twitter, what are you doing with life? Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. You know, you know Stand the Man. You walk into Campus Bookmart and there's the, there's like your favorite uncle looking at you, you know, with his tie on, his short sleeve, button-up shirt, got his nice press khakis on looking at you to say, hey, how can we help you? Good to see you. That's Stan the man. He's there to serve you. 
as is Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, Cheyenne, Candy, the whole crew. It, it's so great. It's like walking in the cheers, man, because they're so glad to see you. Go by and check them out today. Get the latest in Mississippi State fashions. If you can't make it down there, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. And you know what? Football season's going to be here, right? And so the kids have probably outgrown their, their stuff from last year, their football. Mom, listen to me. You know they have. And I know you just bought them all like 10,000 NFL championship shirts, but listen, they're going to want those football shirts. Dad wants a football shirt too. Don't make him buy it for himself because you know what's going to happen. He'll probably get the wrong size. Mom, you're going to have to take charge of this project. I know you got enough going on. And I get it. But go to campusbookmart.net. Let them make life easy on you. And use promo code BSR. We'll save you a little shipping on that. Check them out today, campusbookmart.net. All right, let's talk a little defense. So, I really believe the you know in the practices that I've seen. I was not there Saturday, but I was there Friday, Sunday, Monday, and of course uh, most of the day, part of the day on Tuesday. So, the guy to me that has been the most consistent on the defensive line is Cameron Young. He looks like what you want him to look. He is performing at a high level. He is a guy, too, that, you know, when they have to say, hey, you need to man up, they don't have to say it to him. He's a guy that always brings it. He looks like what you'd expect an SEC interior lineman to look like. And I think the fact that he's a guy that can get in there and eat up double teams, it's going to open some things up for Jaden Crumbly. And certainly for those linebackers. Now, Jordan Davis – Always in the backfield. Always. I think he and Randy Charlton both are going to be very formidable. Jack Harris fighting out there, too. Jack Harris had a really nice interception yesterday. Had a nice TFL today. Jack is a different-looking player. I shared that with you guys uh, on the Monday show. You know, he's put on some mass. But he's moving around with more confidence. And that's not to say that he liked it last year, but I think now that you have that year under your belt – you know you belong here, and you know now, hey, listen, you know, last year I was behind Kobe Jones and Marquis Spencer, and you know, me and Aaron Odom might play a little bit. Well, now i got to go play. You know, now, now it's my time. And, and you can just kind of see that there's like a flip that's been switched, a switch that's been flipped with him, pardon me. Um, so, yeah, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Jack. He looks like a different player from a physical standpoint. And I think he's also doing a lot less thinking out there. It's a lot more read and react out there. I think he's playing a lot more naturally. Linebackers, again, you know what you got with Aaron Brule. We didn't talk a whole lot about Deshaun Page the other day. He is a very impressive-looking player. Now, he was here in the spring and probably a little more tentative. He also had a big pick uh, on Sunday. But he's a guy, too, that you know you see him out there running around and he immediately catches your attention. He wears big number 16. But he is an impressive-looking kid. Now, the main thing with him is is just finding some consistency in the reps. I mean, I think Jed Johnson's the guy that's really come on, you know. And so my hope is is that Paige will kind of go along with that. Now, of course, Jet's got more experience at the SEC level. He's been around, kind of understand what's expected of him. 
But Page is a guy, too, that could kind of be an X factor in this defensive group. I think we feel really good about the starting backers. I, I, you talk about some freaks. You know, we talked about you know Aaron Brule, Nathaniel Watson, and Ty Wheat. You know, I don't think we're going to have a problem getting to the quarterback. But I also am encouraged because we do have some depth behind them. And guys that can kind of eat up some reps, you know, so you can save some wear and tear on the starters and not have a big drop-off. And I think Jet and Deshaun Page are a big part of that. And so I'm eager to kind of see what Page can become. But, again, you look at him, and he absolutely looks like an SEC player, running around a little raw at times. But to be fair to him, you know, they didn't play football last year at East Mississippi. You know, and so, you know, he's had basically a year off. And, and it, it's one thing to, you know, work out and get out there and do seven-on-seven seven stuff. It's another thing, you know, when the whistle's blowing. It's another thing when, when you're out there and you got people that are, are competing for a job. And so the, there's the spring, I think, was probably a chance for him to kind of kind of get back into football mode. And I think, again, I, th- I think later in the year you'll kind of see him come on. I don't think he's quite there yet, but you can see how physical he is and you can see what a presence he could bring, you know, once he kind of gets this thing figured out. And Zach Arnett will get him right. There is no question about that in my mind at all. Zach Arnett is going to do a great job getting these guys ready to go. I don't think there's any question. Uh, Another newcomer, too, that got some reps today, Ty Cooper. Probably had the most reps that he's had and, of course, he's playing some at Sam, you know, a little bit down the depth chart. But uh, I like to see him out there in team you know, because he has an opportunity, I believe, to help the defense this year. You know, he looks like a guy that can play. You know, a lot of these freshmen come in, and they still got a little baby fat on them. That's not really the case with Ty Cooper. You know, his best football still lies ahead of him. But these linebackers, I mean, you, this might be the strength of the defense. And you can say, you know, well, Steve, we lost a lot last year, and and we did. But we added some guys, too, that I think are very, very talented. I I think as a group, they're going to be a lot more athletic this year. And people forget Aaron Brulé was a, you know, first-year starter last year. His best football still lies ahead of him, too. We had a chance to speak to Jason Washington today, too. That's the Mississippi State safeties coach. Of course, he and Tony Hughes shared that responsibility. And he and Darcel and Tony all kind of work together as a unit for the most part. But Darcel coaches the corners, Tony the nickels, and uh, Wash gets the other safeties. But he mentioned today they got 14 guys out there at safety. 14. You remember last year we've talked about it, we belabored the point. They were down five safeties. You got 14. You got it. Basically, you got everybody back except Marcus Murphy, and then you've added some more to the mix. Washington looks to kind of be excited about his group. I think he should be. You know, there's not a lot of people blowing off the top of the defense. We saw a lot of that last year, but you don't see it in practice. You got a lot of guys out there that can play. Saw C.J. Morgan do some good things today, too. I know that's encouraging to you guys, too. You know, any contribution you get from C.J. is kind of a bonus at this point, considering what he's been through. But he's a great locker room guy. He's going to be a great coach someday, if that's what he likes to do. It's a guy that had every opportunity to move on. NCAA allowed him another year of eligibility. He came back. He didn't want his final memory to be the injury against Alabama. He wanted to come back and rewrite the ending to his own story. And I'm rooting for him. I know you guys are as well. But he's still kind of down the depth chart a little bit. But he's going to play. Maybe special teams or in the rotation at safety. He's going to play. 
But you've got some guys up there, too. That you get, you got some dogs on defense now, too. We, we talk about Dylan Lawrence, and I asked Jason Washington about him specifically today. I'm a Dylan Lawrence fan. I've always felt like you just got to find a traditional spot for him. you got to find a place that he fits. And he, he was really coming into his own last year when he got hurt. You know, and, and you wish he'd have been able to play the whole way through because he'd been that much farther along. But you see him out there. He's one of the first guys that catches your eye on defense. And it's not just because of his size and length, but it's, he's always around the football. He's a guy that just kind of diagnoses plays pretty well. You know, there are things in coverage, of course, he's still kind of working through. But, you know, with that catch radius, you know, that, that, that's one of those things, too, that kind of erases some mistakes is when you, you're a little bit longer than everybody else. You get beat by a quarter step, you can still make a play. Still a rough round the edges, but he's getting it going. And Janari Dean's kind of in the same boat. You know, Janari Dean's another one of these guys, too. You know, we talk about being dogs. That's Janari Dean. Janari Dean is one of those guys that, you know, played running back in Ricky Wood's offense there at Chalpanola. You know how tough a position that is. Yeah, but Janari's a guy that wants to be around the football. And he was absolutely sick last year when he got hurt. He was going to play last year as a true freshman. Now, we've got a bigger, faster, tougher version of him now. But this is a guy that was going to crack it too deep as a true freshman a year ago. And I think that's pretty impressive. Now you get him back into the mix. And we've talked a little bit about corners. And you know what you got with Emerson. But one of the things that I'll say to Marcus Emerson is they don't try him a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's like they'll throw it to Cambrian Richardson. And in some respects, they'll throw it to Emmanuel Forbes. And Forbes will make them pay. He had a couple near picks today. You know, his long arms. It's a guy that gets in there and makes some plays for you. But you don't see a lot of people really test Martin Emerson. And that's a really good luxury to have, you know, because it basically takes away half the field when you've got a guy that can really cover up over there. A lot of people remember the play against Auburn, you know, when we're supposed to be in cloud and he's impressed and the guy runs by and we give up game-win touchdown. He'll be better for that experience. And I don't know if it's just the quarterbacks. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I'm not going to throw over there and get the ball picked. Or maybe it's the fact that Emerson's doing such a good job covering guys up that the receivers are like, I'll just wait for the next rep. I don't don't know. I don't know what's all behind it. But they don't test Martin Emerson much. And at some point, you know, you got to go make a play. Now, I've seen Makai Polk beat him on a couple couple plays, but it's kind of few and far between. Martin just does such a good job. Out there, I think people just feel like, you know what, there's got to be softer targets out there than going at Martin Emerson. Excited to see what he can do. And, and I do think he comes out this year. I don't think there's any question. Now, they will test Asias Furge and Cambrian Richardson. And you know what, that's good because those guys need practice reps. Those guys need to get out there and figure it out in practice before they get into a game. And Cambrian Richardson, when you look at him, you know, he has all the physical skills. It's just times he's out there guessing a little bit. And that's what practice is for. He'll get better. He'll get better. And he's already gotten better in a few practices we've seen. I think actually when they put the helmets and pads on, I think he took a bit of a jump there. And so I think he's a guy that needs that physicality in the game to kind of get him going. Maybe he needs to kind of see red a little bit. So we'll see. But I, I do think we have very serviceable Number two corners. Now, Martin and Emmanuel are going to play the most. There's no question about it. They're going to play a lot of snaps, and they should. They're your better players. But, again, I think when you look at the totality of the defense, I think we're just more athletic than we were last year. 
And a lot of that's because you got some guys healthy. But there's also, you know, some some newcomers, I think, that have come in that are going to be, you know, very positive contributors. You know, Jalen Green and Randy Charlton. You know, Green's still figuring some things out. You know, you can see sometimes you know, he gets a little bit too wide at nickel. You know, that's a guy that's used to playing outside the numbers. You know, so it's going to take some adjustment to kind of figure out where to stand, that kind of stuff. And, and Washington spent a lot of time kind of correcting them to, hey, what's your coverage here? What do you have? You know, where should you line up? And so that aspect of practice is still kind of going well. And the thing that I've noticed about Jalen Green, too, is you just don't see him really get elevated emotionally unless somebody does something great. You don't see him drop his head. You don't see him pouting. Even when he gets beat on something, you know, he just gets ready for the next play. And so that's a level of maturity that, that you need in this league, to say the least. But, again, you top to bottom defensively. I mean, people think about how good we were last year. We're more athletic this year. And when you've got Zach Arnett out there, the mad scientist out there, you know, with guys that are bigger, faster, stronger, you would expect better performance from the defense, even though they were great last year. I think they're going to be that much better this year. I think defense is going to win us some games this year too. I really do. And you go back and look at last year's games, you know, they, they basically kept us in every game. Alabama's the only team that blew us out. At least defensively. You know, we had a couple big turnovers against Kentucky where we kind of gifted them the game. But as far as somebody just lining up and running over us, Alabama's the only team that did it. The only ones. Every other game of defense played well enough for us to win. Every game. May have been some busts late. You know what I'm saying? Somebody may have made a play late because of the fact that we were playing, you know, a career special teams guy out there at safety. We got beat on the play. You know, with the depth we have coming back this year, hopefully that's not the case. But defensively, we look a whole lot more athletic. And we really do on both sides of the football, but I think it really stands out the most on defense. I think those guys really look like, you know, SEC players. I think I'd let them get off the bus first. I don't think there's any question. A lot of guys on that team are going to be able to go out there and make plays for you. And the fact that there are so many athletes, it only adds to the level of competition. And competition makes everybody better. I mean, there's not going to be anybody play, you know, any spot in that secondary or on that defense by default. There's going to be a guy just as good nipping at their heels trying to take that spot the entire year. The competition is going to rage on throughout the year. I don't think there's any question about it. And they want guys that can compete. That's one of the things that we've talked about here as of late is you you want guys that can compete and you want guys that are tough. And it's not as physically tough, mentally tough, being able to kind of hammer and you know, push through adversity. There's just no question about it. We have those attributes on this team. It's just now about getting guys in the right place and getting them all uh, kind of committed to playing together, kind of seeing how things go, you know, once they get on the field and have an opportunity you know, to play a real game against somebody that's trying to hurt them. And, again, I go back to the fact that Mike Leach is letting us be out there to witness all this. And so we can share it with you. And I think that's a great promotion for the Mississippi State football team. I don't think there's any question. I mean, what else is there to talk about? You know, we could all be sitting around giving our hypotheticals, right? Well, you know, I think this team has got the best defense. Or, or here's the top ten backup wide receivers in the SEC. We could be talking about that crap. But we're not. We're talking about an actual football practice. You know, anybody can make a stupid list. There's no special skill required to do that. Anybody can go – you can get on your personal Facebook and make you know, a list of your top ten running backs in Mississippi State history. Anybody can do that. I would rather talk about this than talk about that. 
That's not to say I don't have a list. You know, I love putting lists together myself. And we've done some football-related stuff here. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there, you know, and it's not their fault. You know, they're not having the same level of access. So they're having to give you these stupid lists. You know, top ten reasons why Mississippi State would beat, uh, you know, Alcorn. You know, that, that's when we're at the bottom of the barrel and we're having to come up with lists. It drives me crazy. And so I'm so grateful, again, to Mike Leach for letting us be out there so we can bring you guys some real content. And it's not just me. You know, it's the entire beat. Everybody's getting a chance to witness what's going on in Mississippi State. And so we, in turn, share it with you. And, and then immediately people say, well, oh, man, I'm, I'm getting all excited about football. Well, you should be. It's one of the best times of the year. But, again, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves because this is a team, you know, we still got some warts. I mentioned the offensive line. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, looking at the secondary, I mean, you feel really good about the corners. You know, how do you hammer down that rotation at safety? You know, you had some busts last year in the secondary. So how many weeks is it going to take for us to eliminate that? You know, we've got to have good ideas from back there at safety. Is there going to be a situation where Jalen Green, you know, him playing the ball downhill, is that going to be an issue for him? You know, we'll see. You know, what's going to happen, you know, when you don't have Errol Thompson out there calling the checks. You know, so there's some things we got to figure out. Are we going to be able to generate some pass rush without having to bring a linebacker? You know, can we have, you know, a defensive end get up there and go wreck the pocket for somebody? I mean, again, these are things we got to figure out. So I want to give you both sides of it. I want to say, hey, this guy looks good. This is a group that's got to get better. I don't know any other way to do it. You know, I could sit here and take one side or the other, but I just try to be as fair and balanced about this as I can be just because I believe we're going to be a good football team. Are we going to be great? I don't think so. Not this year. I think we've got a chance to be great in 2022. You know, when Jaden Wiley and Will Rogers and all those guys have got two years of experience under their belt in the SEC, and the fact that guys like Deshaun Page got a full year under their belt, back in real football shape, you know, we'll have some guys go pro this year. I don't think there's any question. But I also think there's some other players that you look at that some of your favorite players you don't even really know yet. You know, this time last year, nobody was talking about Jaden Wally. You know, maybe Steve Spurrier a little bit. Yeah, the Wally kid might be able to help us. Who knew that he was going to be what he became in one year in this scheme? And so there are going to be some other names that emerge for you guys, and you're going to begin to think, man, where did this guy come from? And the good thing about it is, is I think we have recruited well enough the last few years. And listen, we're not on the level with Alabama or LSU recruiting. We're just not. That's the reality of life. But I think we have recruited well enough that we can begin to kind of take some steps forward as a program. You know, because I really felt like, and I think you guys would agree, and I hate to say this is brutally as I'm going to say it, but we were regressing under Joe Moorhead. We had lost our identity. We'd lost our edge. We didn't know what we were doing offensively. And you know, Joe is a great offensive coach, but he had a tough time relating his offensive concepts to some guys that were recruited to run Dan Mullen's offense. And then he goes out and gets a quarterback that can't stay healthy. Goes out and gets his own guy, and then the guy can't stay healthy. 
And so there's a lot of bad luck involved, but let's just be honest. You know, we were not a disciplined football team when Jim Moore had left here. And listen, I, I have said that on this show and I even had some players get upset with me. And you know what? Okay, that's fine too. Because you're probably one of the guys that got softer. But there's not that now. There's an edge with this team. There's an accountability with this team. And I think everybody that's around practice will tell you it's a different level of intensity than it was with Joe. I think a lot of Joe Moorhead, but I think Joe really worried about being liked. I can promise you Michael Leach didn't care about being liked. He made the comment today, I guess I guess it was yesterday, when uh, Sokoloff asked him about, hey, do you, what do you think about everybody picking you guys last in the West? And he goes, I don't really – care about their opinion one way or another I I don't think I'll start with this that's exactly what he should have said it's not bulletin board material who cares what they think again anybody can make a list and if you knew some of the people making these picks you wouldn't put any 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 credibility into it at all there's a lot of people that are lazy to make lists oh this guy voted I mean let's, let's think about this for a second I mean like the SEC uh preseason rankings by the media like every year there is one guy that always votes for Ole Miss that guy should be removed from the process and not just because he votes for Ole Miss but because he doesn't respect the process it's a joke and there's always the recently there's been some guy that's voted for South Carolina those people should be removed from the process and that's why I don't think you should take any of these lists seriously you know, and, and Robbie Falk and I talked about this recently. We were talking about the SEC, you know, preseason picks and all that kind of stuff. When Robbie and I were in Omaha and we're voting for the all-college World Series team, that's a big thing. I mean, it really is. It's not, you know, it's not just, you know, a list that's going to go up on Gene's page. I mean, they're, they're, they hand out awards for this. And this is something that is you know, associated with the College World Series forever. I mean, you go up there and you look and there's all these names out there. It's a huge honor to be named to that team. And so they give you the stats and they give you all the, the, the player names and you, you got to turn all that stuff in, but like to fit that in or so. And we're agonizing over this list. I'm like, Robbie, who do you have at shortstop? I was thinking about going with Nick Kent from Virginia. I said, yeah, I really liked him too, but did we give it to Forsyth? I mean, he had the big game on Saturday. You know, it's like – you know, we, we want to get it right and be fair about it. It's not a joke to us. And maybe we take it too seriously. But I feel like when somebody gives you the responsibility to vote on something like that, something of that importance, you need to give your best effort. You don't go pick Ole Miss to win the SEC when they hadn't had a winning season since 2015 with a bunch of recruits that got them in trouble. And so – Back to the Omaha thing, it's like, you know, when that thing came out, you know, when they when they start announcing the team, I was really proud of the fact that uh, we voted for the people that we thought most deserved it. And you know what? Not everybody we voted for won. But I felt, felt we had some integrity in how we did it. You know, it had been easy just to go ahead and put, every, you know, all Mississippi State guys down. I and mean, Like Landon Sims didn't make the Omaha team. Will Bednar and Jack Leiter were your two pitchers. They probably should have given us the option to have three. They gave us two. Leiter won. Bednar won. Lennon Sims didn't. 
Landon Sims deserved to be on that team. But he wasn't. Scotty DeBrew had a great series. He deserved to be on that team. He wasn't. Lane Forsythe up and down this year, really down towards the end of the year offensively. Lane made it. Lane made it mainly because of his defense, but he also had some big hits in that game two against Vanderbilt. You can run all the way through the list. There's a lot of guys out there that had, uh, you know, you know, big games or big weekends that didn't make the list. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, it is just a list. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You guys have heard me talk about Portico many times. If I was moving to Starkville now, I would move to Portico. And I'm kind of entrenched out here on the Ponderosa. I've been here a while now. I guess seven years. Seems like just yesterday. But if I was moving today, I would move to Portico because I would love to be closer to campus, but not so close that I'm caught up in the hustle and bustle of campus because it does get busy over there. But you can live on the backside of campus just over a mile away from campus, close enough to go run over there if you want to, to go ride your bike, whatever. And all your friends are going to kind of want to come park at your house because you're 1.1 miles away. Very easy to get to. You turn on to 12 off of 82, the very first right. Pat Station Road takes you across Old West Point Road. There you are. It's very, very easy to find. You'll like it. Great construction. Great prices. Great craftsmanship. Great neighborhood. You can get an investment home there. You can get your primary residence there. You can get your home away from home there. There are some people that like to keep a place in Starkville. And so, you know what? It's just so much easier for me to keep all my tailgating stuff here. And there are a lot of people that come up here, even when there's not a ball game, just to kind of get away because they love the energy of Starkville. So reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. You guys know Brooks. He's my friend, your friend. I'm going to give you his number, but don't share it. I don't want Brooks to know that I – don't tell him that I gave it to you either. But Brooks will answer all of your questions. Phase one is just about nearly sold out. Some room in phase two. That's all coming soon. But Brooks can answer those questions for you. I love going up, go better and checking it out. I've had people, friends of mine that have reached out and said, you know what, Steve, when we get ready to go, that's the first place we're looking, and you're dadgum right, you should. Brooks Bryan's phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, recruiting so, you know, we had some commitments here recently, and we're about two weeks away, I think, from the next one. And as sure as I say that, you know, somebody go up and commit tomorrow, which would be just fine too, right? I'm happy to take the flyer on that. But August 25th, Aldavian Collins is announcing his decision. I fully expect that to be Mississippi State. He is scheduled to take an official visit to Mississippi State on September the 11th. That looks like it's going to be a big weekend for us. Uh, Collins is a guy that does play corner. He's got several offers at this point. Great relationship with Darcel McBath. He'll tell you that. He feels like Mississippi State is home. He feels like Darcel McBath understands what he can do, and he believes that he can come in here and develop into a big-time player at Mississippi State. So, again, I fully expect it to be Mississippi State when he announces, and I believe it's August 25th. Another guy that's going to take an official visit to Mississippi State that same weekend, September 11th, is Stone Blanton. 
I believe Stone Blanton, within the next 30 to 35 days, is going to be a Mississippi State Bulldog. Uh, it is just simply a matter of time. Now, Stone, in many ways, has done it the right way. Uh, now, to be, to be honest with you, I wish he'd have already made his commitment to Mississippi State, but you know, he didn't get the opportunity to get out and go see places last year. They were restricted in what they could do. Couldn't go out and meet coaches, couldn't tour facilities, uh, couldn't come to the cookouts and that sort of stuff. Well, now you're able to do that. And so they're kind of making up for lost time. That doesn't change in any way how Stone Blanton feels about Mississippi State. It in no way changes how he feels about Zach Arnett. And there are a lot of times, you know, when people are like, oh, my gosh, I wish these guys wouldn't get out and go visit. I, I, I think they need to do all their visiting before they commit. Right? Because if they've already done it and then they commit to you, it's already old hat for them. You, you don't have to worry about a guy committing and all of a sudden, well, I feel like I missed out on something. All my friends are taking all these trips and I want to meet Nick Saban too. Why didn't I do that? Well, now I want to go do it now. So if it happens later in the process, now all of a sudden then it becomes kind of an encumbrance to you and your recruiting efforts. You begin to ask yourself, is, is this guy really committed to us? And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe they never even thought about, you know, flipping or making another decision. And all of a sudden, somebody else opens, hey, listen, we really liked you, but now we've got a guy that's not coming. You know, so it's an issue. So, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, wouldn't you want your spouse to do all their dating before they got married? Yeah, of course. You wouldn't want them to get married and continue to date. That's silly. So Stone's had his fun. He's gone out there and seen everything, took about three official visits, and he's set to visit state on September 11th. And I believe he's pretty close to tying a knot. I'll be surprised if he's not. Does he commit on the visit? Does he commit before the visit? Does he commit after? I don't know. But I still believe wholeheartedly that he is going to commit and sign with Mississippi State. And I think the baseball aspect of it is a big part of it. And this is one thing I think people forget, too, is that you know, he was a baseball commitment first. It's not like he's a football guy and we're trying to use baseball to close the deal. This is a guy that was – Already committed to Mississippi State, loved Mississippi State, loved the idea of playing at Duty Noble Field. And so, you know, yeah, we've had to kind of sell him a little bit more now because he's got, you know, several other options. And this is a full scholarship sport, and he owed it to himself to get out and go see some things. And so, you know, now we'll kind of see how it develop. But I, I feel good about where things stand. Had a chance to talk to him after the top dog camp, and he was, uh, you know, you know, kind of noncommittal about, what but pretty solid on when he goes hey you know we're about six weeks out or so when that official visit again that's 30 days from now so or 31 days i forget how many days are in august sometimes but yeah so we're basically a month away and this is a guy too that's kind of rounding himself back into good shape getting healthy again you know he had that shoulder injury you know he re-injured that you know diving for a you know, ball in the outfield and so They've been careful with him this year. He'll be full go, though. He'll be ready to go. And I'm excited to see it. Now, you look around the rest of this commitment list here, and uh, there's a couple guys I think you got to watch. You know, Jordan Thomas is a guy that committed to Mississippi State, and he's seen his recruitment kind of blow up since then. You know, Tennessee has been on him hard. I've been told the school to watch that if Auburn really gets serious about him, that could be trouble which is typically the case, right? I mean, it's so hard to go beat you know, the home state school for a kid. So got to watch that. But so far, Auburn really hadn't, you know, really green-lighted him. And maybe it's because they feel like they can come back on him later. But, you know, I don't know their needs over there. But uh, I think it's interesting to say at least, but we'll watch him. 
Colin Griffin is a good friend of his. Colin came in, had a pretty good camp. I wouldn't say that he was, uh, you know, dominant by any stretch, but he more than held his own when he came in here. I think he did enough to stay committed. And I think it's a big part of things, too, because he and Jordan Thomas are very, very close. So he would have to have had a really bad camp for me to walk away from him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, really bad. Because if you do, it's probably going to cost you two players. So that's the thing you got to consider. That's what makes all this so complicated sometimes being a college coach is there are a lot of other relationships out there that are very important players that um, may impact your relationship with other players. And so that's why you always got to be careful when you take the old package deal. You know, we had a situation here several years ago where we were taking Nick Kyles and Jarvis Kyles, and then Nick Kyles signed with Alabama, and we got Jarvis. And, uh, you know, Jarvis played a little bit for us too, and then, you know, Nick didn't qualify. But it's like, you know, if you're going to sign the calf, you better get the cow too. You know, we went through some of that too with uh, Nick Brazel and Kendrick Market. You know, we offered Kendrick Market thinking it would help us with Nick Brazel, and then uh, Nick – didn't have even half the career that Kendrick Market did. You know, we got stuck with the calf, and the cow went out to pasture. And then Poke Dog had a great career at Mississippi State. He wasn't the biggest of kids. He was pound for pound one of the better football players on our team, though. Very intelligent guy. And to be honest with you, Bernard McKinney, if, you, if you're listening, and I hope that you are, we missed the adventures of Poke Dog. We have missed the videos. There was all these, these videos, these unsuspecting videos when Kendrick Market was doing something. And uh, BMAC would catch him slipping and share it on Twitter for us to see. And we haven't seen those in a long time. So maybe we can have a reunion show of sorts. But you got to be careful when you take two. You absolutely do. You absolutely got to make sure that you want them both. Because if you take one and then you drop the other, you end up losing both of them. And and I don't know if that's going to be the case with Jordan or, or Colin, but when you get two guys from the same school that are, you know, play in the same uh, secondary, there is obviously going to be a relationship there. I worried about that a lot last year, you know, with uh, you know, with Tamar. You know, it's, you know, you drop his teammate and you wonder what that means for him. But Tamar remained true maroon. And he's here. He looks good. Got to gain some weight. But he looks good. And uh, I think Nick Mitchell probably looks, you know, of all the young linebackers, I think Nick Mitchell probably looks the best. I think he's a future Mike. But that's a situation there where your, your coaching staff, you know, kind of navigated that, a difficult situation very well, you know, with Tamar Rogers. And there were a lot of people that really thought, you know what, hey, there's no way this kid's going to sign, and he did. And once he put his mind to it, said, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm still happy with Mississippi State, happy with Coach Matt Brock, and that was the end of it, the absolute end of it. And I think when you go look at uh, this linebacker group today, you can see the real benefit of Zach Arnett and Matt Brock and see their work. And you see the caliber of players they're bringing in and what they look like athletically. And I think you think, hey, these guys know how to evaluate and these guys know how to recruit. It's an impressive-looking group of linebackers. And, I don't, again, I don't want to belabor the point, but, you know, when you begin to work through recruiting, you want to see the benefits of it. And there are a lot of people out there, that the biggest headlines that certain players make are on signing day. And then all of a sudden reporting comes it's important you know, to see, you know, now that we've had a chance to kind of look at some of the newcomers, 
I think we've done really well. And there's only so much you can tell in, in the limited time that we see them, you know, rep, you know, team-type drills. But I think when you look, you know, from a physicality standpoint and athletic standpoint, I think we've done really well. And, and uh, one of the guys we hadn't talked about much, and we'll close the show with this, is Sawyer Robertson. He hadn't done much with team, but he is out there working Pascal early in, in the deal. And uh, that guy can really play. I've had some players tell me he is special. And that's what you want to hear. And that's what his numbers suggest, that he is a special player. He is a huge, huge player. Only going to get bigger, too. Long, lean, athletic, spins the ball well, has a good touch on the football, can wrap it in there when he has to. He's everything I think you'd want a quarterback. And it excites me to think about the future. Now, the future is not now. He's not out there really competing with Will you know, for the starting job. You know, some people kind of suggested that. That that's just not, that has not been the case at all. And, again, that's not an indictment on, on either player's talent. But I think it's pretty safe to say that, you know, Will Rogers is kind of the anomaly in the Mike Leach experience. He just doesn't play the young quarterback. And so I think Will's got a chance to play, you know, multiple years here. But we'll see what happens, you know, when Sawyer, you know, has a full year under his belt with Tyson Brown. But uh, he looks the part. And he practices the part, and I think there's a lot to look forward to. Listen, I want to thank you guys, as always, for your support of the show. Uh, you can go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's alphadogs, D-A-W-G-S, thebook.com, and get signed copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, or Alpha Dogs. If you're looking for Bloom, Blooms of Oleander, which is still on the Mississippi bestsellers list after five weeks, you can go f- find that at Amazon or uh, booksofmillion.com or Barnes & Noble or order it to your local bookstore. They have it at all of my books, signed at Lemuria Books, at Turnrow Books, uh, Bookmark Cafe here in Starville, and your your favorite local bookstore can order those books as well. And uh, very, very easy to do. And uh, I, I'm a big proponent of the independent bookstore. So please uh, check them out. And uh, look forward to getting out there and touring for Dogpile. Really excited about that. That's a book I didn't expect to write this year until we started seeing this baseball thing come together. And it's been uh, one of the greatest joys of my life to write this. I cannot wait for you guys to read it. Uh, If you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com, and they'll get you taken care of. And I appreciate you guys still supporting that. That book is a few years old, but uh, it was recently back on the Mississippi bestsellers list. So appreciate that. And uh, as always, buy the gear. It's uh, In most schools, it's uh, uniform friendly. How about that? So until next time, Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals. 
no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.